My name is Ananya Sridhar and I'm 17 years old. Five years ago, I decided to take on the problem of lead-contaminated water head-on. This is my story. I would want every young person to know and hear this. You don't have to have a certain skill or certain passion or be the best at this or that to create change. I would really encourage all young people to start thinking like that from a young age, no matter what people say. Too young to do it. There's no such thing. Hey, I'm Danny Washington, and welcome to the Genius Generation, the podcast about young people who are changing our world in big ways. On this week's show, my guest is high school senior Ananya Schreeder. In 2016, Ananya heard the news about the water crisis in Flint, Michigan. And despite being only 12 years old and 2,000 miles away, she decided to do something about it. Not only did Ananya invent a brand new way to test for lead in water, she figured out exactly where to look for it, all over the country, with the organization she founded called The Neptune Project. Ananya, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me today. It's great to have you here. So first off, let's jump right in. When did you first have an interest in science? Really, since as long as I can remember, I grew up in a house of scientists. Both my parents are engineers, so I was constantly surrounded by people building things, taking things apart. Whether it was things in our house or visiting my parents' work and just being fascinated not only by how science can explain the world around us, but how we can leverage it to really make change in our communities for the better as well. Okay, so tell me about the origins of the Neptune Project. How did it all start? So very famously in 2016, something happened called the Flint water crisis that really became a national headline. In Flint, Michigan, a suburb of Detroit, there was a situation where their water supply was switched and it led to lead contamination in their water. And it became a huge national story. Major developments tonight out of Flint, Michigan. Ground Zero in Flint, Michigan. Thousands of families poisoned. So many things went so terribly wrong. wrong. And just out of curiosity, what are some of the impacts of water with lead in it? If you consume it, what happens in your body? So really, the younger you are, the more devastating it is. One of the big things in young children you see is irreversible brain damage that we don't know how to fix once it happens. Children diagnosed with lead poisoning. Thousands of Flint children may now face a lifetime of impairment. Right now we don't know what the future holds for us and our kids. No more life like it used to be. That's gone. I was really struck by the story in Flint because as you mentioned, lead poisoning is something that impacts young children. And I was a young child myself. And serendipitously, I was taking a chemistry class at the time and my chemistry teacher showed us a litmus test, which is just a piece of paper that you dunk into water and it changes color based on its pH level. And all of a sudden I thought, why can't we do this for lead? If in Flint, Michigan, they didn't know that they had this problem until it had affected so many young children, why can't we catch it earlier? And that's really where the litmus idea was born. And how old were you when this happened? I was in seventh grade, so I believe I was 12. 
Wow. So you're 12 years old, thinking about this huge problem. I mean, all over the world, we have folks who are dealing with water issues and water-related diseases, which could be totally preventable if people knew if their water was clean or not. So this idea with your litmus test, how did it evolve? Did you start asking questions to your teacher or did you go online and just do research? Tell me the process. Yeah, so it started with a Google search. You know, I, it was quite literally like, is there a chemical that can change color? And, you know, it, it required a little bit more depth, but I looked and looked for a while and I went to my chemistry teacher and I told her, hey, I had this idea. Uh, can you mentor me in it? That's really how it started. What's really fascinating about the chemical that we use, it's called sodium redizinate. It's a compound that's used by forensic scientists, actually, and they would use it to reveal residue from lead bullets on a crime scene. But nobody had ever made a water test for it. So we were kind of in these uncharted waters, just me and my chemistry teacher. You know, it, it evolved a lot because it started from just this idea and bringing that to implementation was a pretty long journey. Tinkering in the science classroom, seeing what would work, trying things over and over again with different ratios, different types of filter paper, different reagents that we could mix with the sodium redisonate. I spent a lot of time in the science lab. Fridays after school was a big one, during some lunches and recesses. Everything that you just mentioned sounds like it takes a lot of time, and that would probably mean you had to make a lot of sacrifices. What about the times you felt like you wanted to quit? What did you do? Where did you have to pull from in order to keep moving forward? At the heart of why I started it was to help people. And just keeping that at the forefront of my experiment while I was going through all of this really made me want to stay after school on Friday, want to come in during recess. Well, that's what I call dedication for sure. So tell us the story of your breakthrough, the moment that you got it right. Yeah, so my first litmus paper that actually turned purple, we started with just a solid lead metal block and getting that onto the paper and it turning purple. And it, it turned the super dark purple, like so clear, it was so exciting. But we realized lead in water isn't going to be that easy to detect because it's at a lot lower of a concentration. But eventually we got the test to detect down to 100 parts per billion, which is really good. Amazing. So now that you had the test working, what'd you do next? Right. We had the test, but we had to figure out where to put it to use. Lead contamination is a problem all over the country. So where do you even start? It was a bit overwhelming at first, so that's when I began coding a machine learning model that predicts for lead hotspots. So that was a pretty daunting task too, as I got into high school, attempting to code an advanced machine learning algorithm with virtually no coding background. Oftentimes I'd sit there and no matter what I typed, it would, the computer would spit back at me syntax error, syntax error over and over again. So what did it feel like, though, internally after all of that hard work? You know, it was really exciting to think about, especially since 
traditional lead testing methods are expensive and a lot of communities don't have the resources. Just looking at this piece of paper was so fulfilling and I got really excited to hopefully get to scale it out in the near future. Very cool. Okay, so you've got your water test and your computer model to show you where to look. What happened next? Yeah, so once I figured out that this was a feasible method, I really wanted to start bringing it out into the real world. The Neptune project, I like to think of it as a two-pronged approach to the problem. One is an affordable test, and one is a triage method where you can choose the communities that are at highest risk to provide testing kits and, and getting out there and hopefully reaching these communities that are potentially affected by lead poisoning before it affects too many of the children in their communities. I've gotten emails from school principals, custodians, and even students who are saying, hey, I think my water might have some issues. Can you help us? Wow, <laughs> that is incredible. So what's the future look like? So since we have the ability to predict in all 50 states where the lead hotspots are, the next steps are finding as many volunteers as we can, bringing them into our project and saying, hey, can you conduct these tests for us? What I love most about your project and your work is that it's focusing on such a simple yet profound human right. Yes. Clean water is a human right, basic human right, and everyone deserves clean water. And so by addressing this specific problem, you're changing the future. I've done so much data analysis on lead poisoning and found that it's under-resourced and historically marginalized communities that are really getting impacted by this. These are children who are really smart and really talented. They're just in a community where they unfortunately are at risk for this problem because of external factors that they can't control. So, you know, making the investment in clean water is making an investment in our economy as well. Because these are children who can contribute so much to our society and to their communities. They can become change makers. They can create jobs for other kids. They can even provide for their families and get their full educations. So it's an investment into our next generation, also into our economy and into the world's future as a whole. Well, you definitely have me inspired, that's for sure. <laughs> so what advice would you give to someone who was young and maybe wanted to do something similar? It's so easy to be daunted when you're taking on a huge problem. And I know I definitely have been at times, but I would want every young person to know and hear this. You don't have to have a certain skill or certain passion or be the best at this or that to create change. Even if you're not a science person like I am, there are so many ways you can leverage your specific talents, your individual skill sets to make change. And don't be afraid to run into walls because I've run into so many. And although it's hard, it's frustrating at times, it takes a lot of dedication. You can work past them with hard work, no matter what people say, if you're too young to do it, there's no such thing. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Genius Generation. I want to give a huge thanks to our guest, Ananya Schreeder. Be sure to check out waterbyneptune.com for more information and to find out how you can get involved. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to rate and subscribe. The Genius Generation is a podcast created by Seeker and Tracks. The show is hosted by me, Danny Washington. Emily Feld and Eben Hall are our producers. Caroline Roff, Brian Simagala, and Matt Morales are our Seeker producers. Our editor and sound designer is John Pappas. 
Our executive producers are Brett Kushner, Michelle Smalley, and Brian Pendergast. Our PA is Navani Otero. Thanks for listening. Funding for the Genius Generation comes from the Arthur Vining Davis Foundations, investing in our common future. How do we create change that lasts? True transformation happens by changing the system, not just the situation. It's a bit like the difference between saving a tree and creating a new sustainable way of doing forestry. Ashoka is a global community of thousands of change makers who are committed to making systemic change and empowering others to do the same. We get it. Changing systems sounds intimidating, but there's nothing to fear. Join Ashoka for a three-part learning journey to uncover issues you care about, identify the root causes, and start building a solution. Learn more by visiting changemaking.net or check out the link in the show notes. Support for Tracks comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. This is Tracks from PRX.